You're listening to Her, an ongoing conversation for women by women, exploring all things heal, empower, and rise, giving voice to the feminine. This is a podcast where women support women through thought-provoking, authentic, and raw conversations. We provide an uncensored platform for our guests with diverse viewpoints that are not necessarily consistent with the perspectives of your hosts. I'm Elika. I'm Alegria, and we're here to guide this adventure with you. Your voice matters. Let your voices be heard. Hello, friends. In today's episode, we interview women's empowerment coach and nonprofit advisor Susan Tripe about the importance of self care while living a life of service. We do a deep dive into the ethos and expectations of nonprofit culture and what it means to invest in values driven missions through our work. Susan, Elika, and I all reflect on our experiences working in nonprofits and the difficulty of maintaining balance and alignment while working passionately for a grand cause. We explore what it means to live a life of fulfilling service while simultaneously juggling our own personal needs and energy in order to avoid burnout. I have to apologize for the poor sound quality on my end in the earlier part of the interview. I promise you it gets better as the episode moves along. So stick with it. You won't want to miss today's Her Podcast episode on self-care in a life of service. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hi, Susan. Welcome to the Her Podcast. Uh, Susan, we're so happy you're joining us today, joining Alegria and I. Um, We're going to talk about a couple of the things that really are prevalent uh, right now for a lot of us, especially with the state of the world. You are a women's empowerment coach. You also are a nonprofit advisor, speaker, and author. So I want to give you the virtual stage here or the podcasting stage. I don't know. What do you call it? To let us get to know you a little bit. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Awesome. Well, thank you so much first for having me. I'm so excited to be a part of the Her podcast. I guess to share a little bit, I know we're going to dive in to some other pieces of my life and my journey, but to just kind of set the context and give you some background. Uh, Yes, I spent 20 years in the nonprofit sector and was involved with fundraising, board development, you know, all of the things, uh, thoroughly enjoyed my time and experience. And um, I went through burnout and that really changed my life in a couple of ways. It put me on this path of understanding self-care. What is self-care? Why is it important? And it also opened up room for me to begin the journey of reflecting inward and tapping into my desires, my passions, and coming into more authentic alignment with how I want to live my life moving forward, which then led me to women's empowerment, since that has been the theme of my life from a very young age. 
Yes. Well, it looks like the three of us have all a great deal of experience in the nonprofit sector and, um, and then moving into entrepreneurship. And um, strangely enough, COVID has re-welcomed me back into the nonprofit sector, which is interesting. And um, nonprofits are all service-based. And my experience is that nonprofits attract folks that are really motivated to plug into their communities and serve. And, and I mean, there's so many blessings of the nonprofit world. I'm sure we'll get into some of that today. But I do find that very often we are asked to give, 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 give of ourselves and at all costs because we're all working towards these really grandiose value-based visions. And, and it's quite often that you'll find that folks in the nonprofit industry are underpaid mm-hmm. Um, and so with that, you see that the exchange of energy, there's already the potential for an imbalance. And the folks that are able to dive into maintaining a sense of work-life balance in the nonprofit sector in particular, like I'm excited to learn more about that, especially as I'm rejoining uh, the nonprofit world with some of my new employment. <laughs> And you're so right, Alegria, the the burnout rate right now for women in particular in leadership in nonprofits is astronomical and it's continuing to climb. And part of that is because there are built-in systems, there are built-in patterns, there's a built-in ethos that supports the overworking of staff and it supports the understanding, the implicit kind of understanding that you give and give and give and give and give because you're serving this wonderful mission. And so your time belongs to the nonprofit, right? And there's also, um, you know, I think some pretty unhealthy practices around the understanding of money and the understanding of revenue and the understanding of worth and the understanding that just because this is a nonprofit, doesn't mean that we undervalue the importance of supporting people who are giving of their heart, soul, and passion to make this world a better place, right? And so the emphasis, and and to that though, I will say, what I have noticed, not only in my own time in nonprofit, but also consulting with nonprofits is the fear of fundraising and recognizing that it's not enough to just bring your passion. I say this all the time, if passion was enough, the nonprofit would be fully funded. <laughs> no, but it's not enough. It takes developing the skill set of the soft and hard skills around fundraising and partnership building and collaborations to move into sustainable practices that bring in revenue on a monthly and consistent basis. And that needs to be thought through from the beginning. And made a priority. Yes. So, girl, I'm like over here in the bleachers, raising my hands, singing hallelujah, preach, preach this stuff because I am resonating with so much of it. Early on in the pandemic, I applied to a nonprofit that that actually I used to work for and that I love. There's not really anything about 
that organization and all the amazing services that they bring to the community that I can't get behind or love. But early on in the interview process, it was quite fascinating because there was there was enthusiasm and excitement because we were I was a known factor. They knew what they were gonna get from me. They you know, but also my life has very much changed since I worked for them before in my young twenties, no obligations, no responsibilities. Now I'm a business owner. Now I'm a mother, a single mother at that. And I fiercely try to maintain and guard like clear boundaries around my work and life balance. And, and I think even just with the authenticity of my resume, it became, I was a little bit taken aback in an interview when the question was posed, well, do you really feel like you're going to be able to fulfill the obligations of the job description as it's laid out? And, and the obvious answer is yes right? I'm applying for the position. Yes, of course. And then the interviewer came back and, and repeated the question. And at that point, I was like, hmm. And, and this time it reiterated, well, there's a lot of weekends and evenings. And so they were having doubt about my ability to fulfill the job role and duties as the way they wanted them fulfilled, right? So you're, you're already tapping into this juicy stuff that is inherent and, and, and I immediately made the decision, oh, we're not alone. I'm going to have boundaries. Mm-hmm. First, you're not offering me full-time work. It's not a full-time position. Second, you're paying me like, like, let's not even get into the pay. And so, yes, I'm going to do the job. I'm going to perform, but I'm also going to maintain a sense of balance in my life. And that became clear that we weren't a match. And I was like, oh, not the right fit. And now I found a place where I can achieve all those things so i want to hear about this ethos that you're talking about and sharing about let's let's get to it because i'm i'm on board with this and also with the burnout that comes with with that you know the expectation so yeah so let's go back to that the expectation susan and and sharing you know more about the ethos behind why the organizations are set up this way and how do we move beyond it without shaming and guilt which is a lot of what I felt when I just even when the question was repeated to me in the interview I was like wait a minute like I I answered the question and I said yes like that like that should be enough and if it's not enough that was an indicator to me like oh this won't be a good fit yes (laughs) yeah it is really intuitive of you to recognize that the layer that they were really getting to is, well, because you're a mom, because you have children, in their mind, they felt like you wouldn't be able to fulfill the role as they have lined out because they perceive there would be conflict between family life and work life. And so to me, that communicates the larger picture of what kind of culture, work culture, personal culture, life culture, community culture is that organization and many nonprofits perpetuating if they're already starting with an imbalance in their expectation of time and the investment of time. And that leads into the question of how can organizations from a leadership and structural and just practical state implement practices that lead to healthy work life 
balance for their board members, for their leadership teams, for their staff members, for volunteers, rather than this expectation that if we're serving in nonprofit, we have to be all in. There's, there's many ways to do that, right? There's many ways to live, to work, to serve. And so I think, you know, I think part of the the ethos that's present in the nonprofit sector that perpetuates this this myth that you have to fully invest every ounce of your time, effort, and energy to the nonprofit comes from a place of and and in this context I'm speaking from smaller nonprofits, not necessarily larger ones. My context has been working mostly my life with smaller nonprofits, medium size, so budgets half million or less in most cases. And so with that, there is, you know, there's the passion piece, right? We we come to the nonprofit sector, we come to this this fear of life because we have a deep de- desire to make it a difference, make an impact, whether that comes from personal pain that we've experienced, whether that comes from observing friends and family going through a struggle of some kind, whether that is we connect with a cause in this world that taps into our passion and we are compelled to get involved somehow. There's many different reasons that we come to the nonprofit world. But when we look at how we choose to invest our passion, and I'll start kind of with leadership. So those who often found and start a nonprofit, it's their baby, right? It's their baby, it's their dream, it's their vision, it's their path to how they are going to make a difference in this world. And our communities set up expectations that say, wow, look at her go. She turned her pain into a pathway to help other people. She's doing amazing, and the expectation is on productivity, right? It's always, we, we live in a culture that values productivity above personal time, above personal self-care. And that from the corporate sector has certainly crept into the nonprofit sector, right? And so then you have these expectations from community outside. Then you have your own personal expectations of, I'm fully invested. This is my dream. This is my path. And so I have to make this work. And oftentimes we think that making this work means we have to do it all ourselves. And that's not true. <laughs> that's why we have teams and, and we seek to develop and locate and find passionate people to come serve alongside of us in those nonprofit roles. But so there's that piece to it too. We feel like we have to take the weight of it on our shoulders. Whether you're a founder or whether you're now an executive director that's been hired into it, we feel that weight and we think we have to carry it. And so with that, head goes down and we plow through, right? Then there's also the expectation of identity. Identity comes into this too. I am a leader in my community. People are looking to me. People, the members in our programs are expecting me to guide this organization well and to continue to improve programs and services. Donors are looking to me to understand how am I using and how is the organization using the funding that will be invested in, and in, and how are they stewarding the finances? And the board of directors is looking at you and saying, hmm, are you implementing and are you carrying out the strategic plan in the ways that we have discussed and agreed to? And 
and then there's the pressure of as the face of the organization presenting the mask presenting the mask that says everything is fine everything is great life is always wonderful when it's not in the nonprofit world it's very difficult it is a challenging experience um, in, in many ways. It's super fulfilling in many ways too, but it's difficult work, right? And so all these layers kind of play into creating this, this ethos that values productivity and pushing through our own needs, denying our own needs for the sake and growth of the organization. And, you know, I think some of that has to do with our own understanding of what we're willing to accept and what boundaries we're willing to put up. Like with you, Alegria, you very quickly recognized that was not a good fit for you. You were not in alignment because you have a personal commitment to healthy boundaries that protect your energy, that protect your time, that protect the full scope of activities that you value as a woman, your family, your children, your um, social life, all, like you are not willing to allow work to creep into and overtake all areas of life. That's wonderful. You are so far ahead of the curve <laughs> for so many though, who feel that because they've signed on to this role, they have to give and give and give and give and give until before they know it, they're in this place of burnout because they lack the ability to articulate their needs and understand that they can ask for boundaries, that they can set up boundaries, that they can work with the board and work with their staff to change the culture so that it respects time, it respects a person's heart, it respects a person's energy. It's a collaboration of how to create a community and how to create policies and how to create practices that value the holistic aspects of a person and that cherish the health of people over productivity. Yeah, to all of it. And it's the culture. It's the in the nonprofit sector, like you said, the value of productivity. Yes, but also this, it's almost like the word yes will take you places or bring you opportunities. And the word no is like, oh, there's there's too many boundaries to work around there. And and that's disheartening because I promise and assure anybody that I work for that you are going to get the best of me when I'm showing up. But can I be there night, day, 24-7? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Nor should anybody. Because like you said, we can build teams. We can, we can also make the world a better place by having boundaries. And, and I didn't learn the boundaries in the nonprofit. I burned out of the nonprofit sector and I was like, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> and then I bounced around and eventually came to entrepreneurship and in entrepreneurship, one of the biggest lessons that you need to learn when you're starting your baby, just like in the nonprofit world, is how to build healthy boundaries. Mm -hmm. Can a client call me, text me at 11? Absolutely not. It's super inappropriate to do so. And I'm going to communicate that, you know, and, and it's okay. Mm -hmm. The client learns, the client finds out the windows of yes, and the times that we are available. 
And then they function in this very reciprocal way of honoring each other. And I think it's possible in the nonprofit sector too. Yeah. And I am taking it all in because I can definitely relate and I'm absorbing everything that you're saying because I, like Alegria, find myself back into the nonprofit world and doing nonprofit work. And I co-founded a nonprofit called Youth Infusion back in 2009. And then it was a lot of work and I was in burnout. And I also had to put food on the table and pull my weight. Couldn't rely on my husband doing all the work and bringing in all the money. And here I was working on my passion, but nothing was coming in. But so many expectations were there by the community, by board of directors, everything. And then uh, I found myself just going into the corporate world (laughs) and I was fired and I'm back into the entrepreneurial world, (laughs) but also working on the nonprofit. And here I am co-founder and now I'm executive director of my nonprofit and I'm enjoying it so much because my passion is, is really advocating for youth voice and also for women's voices and advocating for women. So this is all like my, I love this conversation, just taking it all in and learning. I'm learning, which I love. And Alegria and I had a CEO day and we know that she has boundaries and I don't. So... <laughs> That's not all that came out of it, but that was a big, big wake up call. I'm like, yes, I have no boundaries. <laughs> boundaries are good. I'm learning. I think it's not so much as boundaries equal no, as much as boundaries equal yes, but in this capacity, in this realm, this is where yes lives. And we're going to keep the yes in the yes zone. And if, if we veer away from the that zone, that safe container of yes, then we're going to feel the nose. That's a really good point. I think that, I think that women, what I have observed in working with women and what I have observed in my own journey of setting up boundaries and understanding how important they are is that, right, we bring the sum total of our experience every day to our life, right? And so that informs our framework for how we think, how we act, and the decisions that we make, which is why self-awareness is so important, right? And when it comes to setting up boundaries, I know in my own life, when I was going through burnout, and then was diagnosed with adrenal fatigue, and then went through this process of figuring out how to help my body heal, I was intentional also about understanding how did I get to this point? Because I was young, I was in my 30s. So how did I get to this point of burnout at such a young age? And so I worked with a spiritual director to help me kind of uncover my patterns uncover my thought process, uncover all of those different layers that led in so I could own my stuff of what I brought to the table, right? Uh, and to help make some changes in my life. And so one, one of the areas that I spent time focusing on is my understanding of boundaries. So in relation to that, I recognize that coming from my faith background as a Christian, and serving in leadership in church, I had to recognize that I had to deconstruct part of my understanding that I am to put everyone else ahead of me, right? Because the church teaches that as part of loving others more than yourself, serving of others 
thinking of others above yourself is one of the tenets um, just kind of taught. And so that seeped into my full understanding of who I am as a woman and how I serve. I serve by caring for others first. I serve by leading others first. I serve by denying what I need in favor of helping someone else, right? And so then I, so that was one piece to it. And then I recognized that there was this element of people pleasing. I didn't want to be seen as a bitch, right? I didn't want to be seen as a complicated person. I didn't want to be seen as the one who is not willing to partner, right? And so to say no is then to implement a boundary is then perceived as you're not a team player, especially in the nonprofit sector. And so I had to work through reprogramming that which I internalized my entire life coming up in the nonprofit sector, started right out of college. And so I was a young one when I joined into the non. So I had to reprogram that piece that I learned that says service to the organization above yourself because you're working for a great mission. You're working for a great cause. You're making a big impact in the community. And I can't tell you how many times I heard over and over again, you don't get in this line of work because you're looking for money or you're looking for accolade or you're looking for recognition. You end up in the nonprofit sector because you have a passion to make a difference. That's a toxic teaching <laughs> and part of the ethos from my perspective that perpetuates cycles that lead to burnout and devaluing of staff and leadership in the nonprofit sector. So part of understanding that a boundary is the best gift that one can give to self because it protects the most precious resource we have, which is our energy. But that takes work because you have to first unpack your understanding of what boundaries are, how they impact your life, and what the perception will be of you from other people. And typically, I don't care what other people think of me. I don't. I just, ever since I was little, I just had this ability to just like, whatever, do my own thing. And, but I have gone through seasons of life where I realized, oh, I've slipped out of that. And now I'm over in this box and this box has become a cage because now I'm caring more about the expectation of others than I am about being aligned with what's in my heart and in my gut in particular. And so whereas my gut would scream, boundary, it's okay for you to say no, especially if you don't want to do this. I went against that for the betterment of the organization. So there's certainly layers to understanding our own understanding of boundaries and what we bring based on. And then that, you know, there's also, when you think of these layers of boundaries, how does trauma play into boundaries? How does um, our life experience play into our understanding of boundaries? Have we had healthy relationships, non-healthy, you know, how do our coping mechanisms play into the establishment. So there's all these different layers to understanding. But one of the ways that I, when I work with my clients, I am constantly talking about self-care. And to me, boundaries are a healthy and necessary part of self-care. Because again, a boundary is an affirmation of protecting your energy. You cannot pour from an empty cup. It just, so I've, 
our listeners don't see this, but I'm going to paint the picture for them. I'm looking at you here on Zoom with this beautiful altar behind you with two gleaming white chalices and this message of you cannot pour from an empty cup keeps coming to me and these beautiful shells and honestly energetically i will say that it looks like your cup overfloweth <laughs> so tell us and please walk us through how you've gone from recognizing that you can't pour from an empty cup to filling your cup to overflowing. Well, that has been the journey of the last five years, right? So as I was working with that spiritual director and recognizing, how did I get here? I then had to spend some time saying, who am I? And rediscovering what are those values that I hold as a person? What's important to me? What are my passion areas? And kind of explored all of that in the season of life as an adult woman now going through through burnout. And what I recognized and have recognized is that it's important to live a life that is in authentic alignment. I talk about authentic alignment all the time in, in whatever that means for each person. And that's different for each person. So for me, I recognized that the environment that I was in at the time was not one that was accepting of all aspects of who I am. For example, I have a passion for social justice. I have a passion for speaking up and speaking out and challenging and calling to light things that are not right. And the, that organization that I was working with at the time stifled that part of my personality because they felt it was too political and they did not want to upset any of their donors. Okay, I understand that. But what that did was put that passion and voice into a cage, into a box, and then I started to lose pieces of myself. So my journey through self-care and my journey to this place of coming to overflowing has been one accepting and honoring those aspects of my soul and my personality and my passion that are gifts and strengths and are meant to be shared with the world and making the commitment that part of honoring myself means if someone can't accept that piece of me they're not for me they're not part of my tribe and I move on and it's okay, right? I had to come to the point of saying, it's okay. I can choose who I invest my time, effort and energy in, right? Another piece of it has been to connect with hobbies and interests that bring me joy, that just make me happy and working those into my calendar. So like walking, I, as you can see from my shells, I love the beach. I love nature. Nature is one of my love languages. So every day I find time, I schedule it into my calendar. I block off time to walk my neighborhood and just be outside and let the trees speak to me and listen to the birds and just be a part of the presence and beauty in nature. And often I receive a lot of epiphanies about human nature and interactions through my walks in nature, right? Connecting with writing and journaling, that has been a wonderful way for me to express and release my thoughts, desires, emotions as I'm processing through different seasons of life. And especially during the last year with COVID, I went through many experiences 
that journeyed through some really deep waters. And the practice of journaling was a release for me in terms of releasing anxiety and recentering myself and, and focusing. And then I think another aspect is I talk a lot about finding your tribe. And I talk a lot about surrounding yourself with people who get you, who understand you, and who support you unconditionally. And that doesn't mean that they'll yes everything. No, like you want people who will speak truth, who will speak open. But what I'm talking about are friends who help to ignite your fire for in whatever passion you are exploring and in whatever giftings you have inside to release into this world that, that you've been entrusted with to release into this world. And so being sure to find people that support you, care for you, love you, and continue to push you to grow in to all that you can become. And part of that means checking in on you to say, how are you doing? How are your boundaries going? You know, and they, they work with you on your journey of self-care too. So finding those handful of people that become part of your core tribe that help keep you in check, but also inspire you to keep pressing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love everything, all the messaging. I'm taking it all in, like I said. And one thing I got from a lot of what you said is some people just don't do this enough. And it's what is it that they truly want for themselves? Like really going deeper. And you talk about the alignment, I think that is so key is to really be honest with yourself. And, you know, one of the things I know that I, I am a people pleaser and I care about what people think, even though I tell people, I don't care what you think. I do. I care. It affects me because I am such a people pleaser, but really digging deep and going through that process, going through that work, you know, of understanding yourself and what you want for yourself to truly make yourself happy. That's very important. And that goes along the lines of the self-care that you talk about so much. How, how do we do that to be able to not have the anxiety, the overwhelming feelings, the, you know, have all these expectations of us. We're having expectations of us, honest expectations. So a lot, <laughs> a lot that we covered. <laughs> you mentioned that you block out time for your time in nature. And I feel that time blocking is one of the most effective ways for me to manage my self-care. And so for me, what that looks like is doing that. I'll put in my actual calendar, whatever it is I need to squeeze in to take care of myself. So, um, and I'm, I don't, I haven't mastered that by any means, like it's a give and a take and it's not the same thing all the time. And sometimes, you know, I have to reshift or reorganize or renegotiate the time that I've set aside for different things. But I do find that that strategy really helps me maintain a sense of balance. And then another thing as you were speaking, Susan, was I was reflecting on my time in nonprofits in my 20s, where I literally was working as if I was in corporate, like I would take work home unpaid. Uh, and this is why so many doors were open to me at that time, like I could apply pretty much for 
any job and know that I very likely was going to get it because I had that reputation of being that yes person, but then, then hit that burnout. And so the difference between that period of my life and now going back into nonprofits part-time and, and even managing my own business is that somewhere between burnout and picking up the pieces, I recognized that I was never even taking a moment to consider saying like what my answer was to giving of myself. So when I give from myself, I want to be giving a hundred percent. And so now I, I think that that pause is really critical in making the best decision. Now, again, I haven't mastered that because sometimes I'll be so excited about the potential opportunity that I'll say yes without thinking about it. Or I'll feel pressured sometimes to make the decision on the spot. But now in my 30s, moving at a different pace in life, sorry, I just lied to everybody. I am in my 40s. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. It happens. <laughs> I can't love that if that's not an indicator of me being in my 40s. <laughs> Good Lord. So, you know, like it's that pause, taking that pause before making a decision of what we're saying yes to and what we're saying no to and really evaluating. Is this a good fit for me right now? And if so, what do I have to give to it? And what are the parameters of the yes? And like I said, I don't do it all the time, but that pause has served me so well in managing my own health, well-being, and that full-bodied yes, which is what people want from me anyways. I want to give you the yes, but I need to do a quick check-in first to make sure that that yes is going to be a full-bodied yes, because mm -hmm. that's where we're both going to thrive. Yes. And I love that because what you're essentially saying, what I'm hearing are a couple of things. The first is, again, our culture values productivity and our culture values 150 things on our calendar every day. We are such an overcommitted people in this society. We are busy, busy, busy because we think that means it's a, it's a great life, that we're we're super productive. But that also leads to high levels of burnout. Children now are experiencing symptoms and expressions of burnout, our high school students, our middle school students, the, the drain, the emotional drain that they are dealing with, the intellectual drain, the energy drain, uh, the anxiety that they are experiencing now as a result of having jam-packed schedules uh, is not a healthy framework to impress upon them at such young ages, right? So what you're saying is the pause is so important because it stops us. We're so conditioned to say yes. I think especially as women, we're so conditioned to say yes, to serve, to jump into things. And the pause says, wait, is this right? Is this right not only for me, but just because something comes into our path doesn't mean now is the right time or that it's the right opportunity. And so the pause is going against that cultural expectation of productivity, which is wonderful. The second, and it's saying, no, there's a better way. And the second reason that I love what you're saying is because the, the deeper question that you're asking, which we don't often pause to ask is, is this in alignment with my values and how I want to intentionally invest my effort 
and energy? Or am I just saying yes for other reasons? And if you're saying yes for other reasons, that's okay. Be honest with yourself about maybe, maybe it's an opportunity that will help lead to advancement somewhere academically or in terms of career. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons why we say yes to things, but recognizing why are we saying yes and recognizing if we say yes and it's not in alignment with who we are, that can set up the face for us to feel tired, drained, exhausted. It could lead to burnout. It could lead to tension because even though we're giving our energy to it, it's not coming from that deeper place within us. It's not in full alignment with our values, with our goals, with our desires in life. Um, and so those are two really critically important questions to be asking anytime we are presented with an opportunity. Yeah, I feel sometimes if you don't really take the time to pause that you're, I've done this and I've felt this, I've felt agitated and resentment. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's really <laughs> real. Yeah. And yeah. then we, we give less than our best to the project, to the work, to whatever it is that we're, we're doing. And, and then that just leads us to a place of feeling like, like you said, resentful and and agitated and aggravated and, and can lead to a less than great experience, right? Yeah. Uh, you started out in, in the interview with naming that it's all about energy. And so when we're aligned, we're creating opportunity to have a balanced energy exchange because when we're doing things that we want to be doing that that are that full-bodied yes it's energy giving and so we're receiving just as much as we're giving there's no depletion going on and then when we're giving from that empty cup or from that space where it's out of alignment it is energy draining because we're not giving from that full-bodied yes. And frankly, the people asking us to do whatever it is don't really want my depleted yes anyways. Like they will feel it. That we will, I will show up not necessarily even consciously or intentionally, but I won't be giving my best, like you said. And, and energetically, it's going to show up that way. And, and so it really is about keeping a balance, energetic exchange going on between what we're doing, where we're giving, but giving can give back, you know, and, and when it does, we're very much going to be sustained. We're not going to be depleted. Susan, tell us about, you have some things going on now before, before we go. Um, I wanted you to just tell us a little bit about your, your women empowerment and your sacred self-care six-week journey. Sure. So as I mentioned, uh, COVID created space for many people to reflect and to think. And I, and I was one of those people that had the opportunity to think through in this next season of my life, how do I want to invest my energy and time? And recognizing that women's empowerment has been a theme with me and it's a passion in me since a very young age. I, like many, made a pivot in 2020 in my business and I am now focusing on women's empowerment. And so what does that mean? Right. So for me, that means a couple of things. It means be continuing to be involved in advocacy work that educates and inspires political action on behalf of women domestically and abroad. 
and understanding the connections between some of the systemic the systems that we have that perpetuate poverty, violence, um, educational gaps, et cetera, for women. So that's one aspect. The other aspect is working with women through coaching programs and services that help to navigate through unexpected life transitions and or divorce in a way that creates a plan of how to move through that, how to create a tribe to support you through that, and how to develop self-care practices during those deeply difficult times and seasons of life to process emotions and manage uh, boundaries and energy, right? And then I also work with women who have that passion inside and are ready to make a change in their life to start their own business and become a purpose-driven entrepreneur. And so I, I have a mentoring program where I work with women too to also help them take that passion, their what I call their fierce that's inside and express that into the world and, and put together um, a framework for their business. And at the core of everything that I do, because I believe in it so much, is self-care. I weave self-care through everything because it is essential to so many aspects of our life. And so right now what I'm doing is preparing to host a six-week journey for those women who are interested in learning more about what is self-care, what does it mean, um, how do I, how do I implement this into my life to those women who are finding themselves in crisis right now in burnout right now who recognize that something has to change in their life and self-care is one of those activities that can restore balance that can um, reduce anxiety and stress and come back to a place of calm and centering that can help to provide direction for how to navigate through some situations in life and so through the context of this class, this journey, we also look at six benefits to self-care and how to prioritize self-care and how to create a self-care plan that is meaningful and relevant based on one's personality, interests, career path, and then of course the peace of the soul and digging into who am I, what am I here to do? Uh, and what are those patterns that I bring? And so that I'm offering a masterclass at the end of this month. Uh, my birthday is January 25th. And so I'm hosting a masterclass on January 25th to um, share some of those self-care tips and practices and then leading into the self-care course. Yay. Happy birthday. My birthday is on the 26th. Nice. <laughs> wow. <laughs> You know? Aquarius represent. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Where could our listeners find out how to plug into these offerings that you have available? Sure. So they can text the word masterclass to the following number 508-250-5646. And I'll be happy to send the link. Awesome. And, and where else can listeners find you? My website. So I'm rebranding. My website is soon coming and it's susantrippy.com. 
Fantastic. Gosh, what a fun conversation today. Thank you so much for joining us on the Her Podcast. I know our listeners are really going to enjoy this fascinating conversation about how to balance, like the work-life balance, really. This has been so much fun and a lot of really great information has been shared and life experience too. I appreciate you both sharing, uh, like I and Alegria, sharing so much of your personal life and journey as well, because I learn, I'm learning from you. So this has been a wonderful time of sharing together. Thank you for having me. Yeah, what a fun exchange. I would say that this fits in the realm of self-care. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I agree with that. <laughs> If you enjoyed today's conversation, be sure to leave us a review and subscribe on the platform where you're listening. Your review helps other women find our podcast, expanding the heal, empower, and rise. And please share with other women in your circle. And remember, your voice is your superpower.